Tonight's scriptures from Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment to the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. It's a joy to be together tonight. We do start a new series out of Revelation called Dear Church. These letters to the church that were very relevant to the churches then and to all churches then and very relevant for our congregation, our church family, for the Lord's church even today. And these letters are part of the revelation that... Jesus revealed through John for us to look at. Revelations chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, when Jesus appeared to John, John writes, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me. By the way, I just love that statement. Many of us have been studying Matthew. And remember when Peter, and we've been talking about Peter, when Peter made that statement on the mount at the transfiguration, where should we build three tabernacles and and uh, God says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And they all fall on their faces. And Jesus walks over to them and he places their hand on their shoulders and said, it's okay. Get up. And so here we have. Then he placed his right hand on me. Maybe not the first time John had felt that hand in a time of feeling overwhelmed. And said, similar words, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of, the, of death in Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands in this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And so he writes to these seven churches, and he has something very powerful because God cares about the church. Now, when Christians today read these stories, these letters to these churches, a common question to ask is, which one is our church like? Which one is the Lord's church here at Edmond like? And it, it's very, very understandable why, why we would say that, and even people would try and think that. But I think it's also important to realize that we share positive traits of these churches in Asia and some of the negative ones. And all of us can be seen. The, the key is not which one are we like or not like. It is let us focus on our faithfulness and what, God, what Jesus saw in those churches and the, his words to them. How can they be a blessing for us today? Because this, these letters are open. I mean, if you read it, all the churches read them. I mean, it was to be be read from one church to the other. They read about each other to see how each could be a blessing because what one church might be struggling with today, a neighboring church might be struggling with at some time in the future and maybe something we struggle with as well. And tonight we begin our series called Love Forsaken as we look at the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2 verses 1 through 7. In so many ways a, a church family, a congregation uh, resembles its community at times. I mean in, in many ways we resemble our community at least I hope we reflect our community in a lot of ways and some of those ways are positive and I'm afraid some of them are, are negative as well and so by understanding one's community you get a little picture of the struggles the church might have 
And around here, we push back against some of those negative struggles. You know, we live in a very affluent society, and we know that our young people are raised in the midst of an affluent society where things matter. And so we purposely try and put them in places where things are different. I, I mean, in, in Mac, the places we work in McAllen, Texas, it, it are definitely different than here. And it helps remind them that as they see Christians in these places, that joy is not found in things like our community seems to say. And so we need to push back. And the church in Ephesus obviously at times struggled in reflecting its community. There's probably a lot that you might remember from previous studies about Ephesus. It was one of the three major cities in the eastern part of the Roman Empire. It, had a, a, it was a port city and, had, had a, and also from land. It was a very mixed culture. A lot of people came. Perhaps one of the things that many of us remember from our biblical studies is that's where the temple was, the Temple of Artemis. And many people came, and they were very proud of that. Idolatry was very big inside of this culture. And so they had to push back against culture and these things. And, uh, and so th that's very prevalent. We also remember that this is a church where uh, Aquila and Priscilla and, and Paul planted the church, and Timothy ministered there. John's also very familiar with this church family. So Paul, on pa John on Patmos writes these letters, and they're to be delivered to the seven churches. And so when the, the person delivering these letters leaves Patmos and they land, the first city they would come to is Ephesus. You can kind of see a circle of this on the map. You know, it would start with Ephesus, and there's a Roman road that kind of went to these, and up to Smyrna, and then Pergamum, and Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. And that's the order of the letters as well, just like this person is traveling and taking this chain letter that all are reading and all are participating in. What a powerful, powerful statement to the church of that time. And if anybody wondered, does God care about his church in that, that day? If, does God still care about his church? The answer had to be a powerful yes. And I would say if you ever wondered, does God care about his, his church here? He does care. And so he wrote these letters not just to be read then, but to be read today and to be listened to. And we need to take them seriously. And we need to take the Lord's church seriously because God does. It's very, very important. And so into our text, Revelation 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. So John here is addressing, Jesus is talking about the spiritual need, the spiritual health of the church in Ephesus, the spiritual life. And it's very important that they hear these words. And then here's what he has to say about them. Verses 2 and 3. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Wow. <laughs> That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. How about you? I mean, look at those positive characteristics. They were hardworking. I want to be a part of a church family that's, that's busy, that's going and doing, that, that's not passive, but is, is working hard for the Lord. They had this patient endurance, this perseverance that through it all, no matter what might come, they're not going to quit their efforts. They're going to keep on going. They're going to resist the sin and immorality 
that's around them. And they're going to push back against those teachings and the false teaching of culture. And they're going to resist it. And they're going to do that by being discerning. You know, they, Ephesus, the church there, tested those who claimed to be apostles. And so we need to check out the claims of those who, who say they're teaching God's word. And go to God's word and check it out. And be discerning. And then they did not grow weary. They persevered and endured without becoming weary. You know, uh, many of us have been Christians for a few years. We've been working hard. It's not time to become weary now. To, to persevere, to keep pushing, to keep working, to keep serving, to keep loving. Wow, what a beautiful church. May those be characteristics we have. But John doesn't stop there. Verse 4. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had it first you've forsaken the love you had at first your first love so what does this first love refer to do you remember your first love many of us can for some of us it hadn't been too long ago for some of us it's been a long 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 time ago for those of us who are married are in a relationship, Valentine's Day is a good day to remember that love, isn't it? I was very chagrined to find out that Valentine's Day is a part of Valentine's Week. Have you heard about this? I'm hoping it's some fake news and kind of false and, and kind of made up, but I did a little bit of research on it. It's a seven-day event, Valentine's Week. It starts off... It goes from February 7th to the 14th. It starts off on the 7th with Rose Day. I'm thinking the florists make this one up. It's followed a couple days later by Chocolate Day. But in the middle, on the 11th, this is the one that captured my attention. It's called Promise Day. Promise Day. And here's what I read about Promise Day as a part of Valentine's Week. Couples make promises on this day to each other that can make their life beautiful and rejoicing. People should only make those promises which they can fulfill as making difficult promises and then not standing by those promises can ruin the relationship at the end, you think? So, so, make easy promises that can be fulfilled. It can be the most romantic way of celebrating Promise Day. So, sweetheart, I promise to eat every day. I can do that. Now, promises do matter. And it is true that promises made to one you love and then kept are a beautiful way of expressing love. Now, I hope you all are looking it up on Google right now and are fixing to tell me that this is all fake news because I can hardly handle one day of Valentine's Week. But what we're really talking about is a promise of love that we have committed to and not forgetting. And he's saying, you've forgotten that first love. You've forgotten what you expressed to me. That first love. It included for the, this church and for hopefully us as well, their love for God. They ex expressed their love for God. And they loved God with all their heart. That not only did they love God, but they loved Paul. In Acts 20, when Paul comes back and visits us with the, the Ephesian elders, 
we see this passage in verse 36 and 37. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed, and they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What a special love they had for the Apostle Paul. And they loved each other. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, it speaks of that love. And Paul would write, Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. They had a love for each other and for the church, for God's people. And they loved, they loved truth. So much so that when they realized they were doing something wrong, they came together, and in Acts chapter 19, verse 19, it talks about how they, they bring the, the lies of their life, those sorcery books, and they, their scrolls, and they burn them all together because they valued truth. And they valued lost. They loved the lost as well. And so in the midst of this love, this first love that they've expressed and they've lost, in this battle to maintain this truth and, and morals, the question is, is it possible to lose a loving spirit? The spirit of love that they had in, in this battle, in this struggle, in this persevering of not growing weary and not giving up, is it possible to lose one's loving spirit? Because the Ephesian church is, is commended for knowing and protecting the truth with great zeal. But have, along the way, have they lost their love? See, we need both. Pure faith and truth should be pursued by all churches. But with that, we, these good efforts, we need to bring a love for Jesus and for other believers. Both Jesus and John stressed the importance of this kind of love. Jesus would say in John 13, 34, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And John would write in 1 John 3, 18 and 19, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth. How important. And yet, Jesus would say of this church, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. At first, love. Do you remember when you put on Christ in baptism? And you express that love in such a way as you said, it's not about me and I'm putting to death the old person. Because of your sacrifice, I bury that old man in the waters of baptism. But just as Christ was raised by the dead, that power that raised Jesus raised me out of those waters, a new person, alive, pure, whole. Do you remember? <laughs> I remember... Uh, teenage boy I baptized once and we went out to get a coke afterwards and, and he said man how do you feel and he said I feel like all my sins were on a chalkboard and somebody just wiped it clean that's a pretty beautiful description very, very biblical description actually what a beautiful thought and do you remember the enthusiasm that came with that wonderful feeling have we lost some of that enthusiasm since that day, hopefully we've grown in knowledge. But have we lost the enthusiasm? You see, we need them both. We don't need to forget what our forgiven sins mean and the joy and the love and the happiness that it brings into our lives. Both knowledge and enthusiasm should travel side by side. Verse 5, consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. 
If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. You know, they, they originally had love, and they loved with enthusiasm and with devotion, and that's how they should love. And they were a light to their community. It made a big difference. It, it impacted what people bought and impacted where they went and how they acted. And they were a light for their community. <laughs> and it made a big impact in Ephesus, you remember? Except all of a sudden, that light is going out because it never, no longer dwells from a place of love. And he says, if you can't be my light, I'll, I'll remove the light stand. And so he gives them this warning. You must revive the old love or you'll be removed. So he calls them to repent. Remember that first love and repent. And then go back and live that way again with that love and that enthusiasm. He continues on in verse 6, though. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. You know, uh, just a, a very brief mention about who they are and, and one quick observation. First of all, it's very likely that what these Nicolaitans were doing were they were taking truths from different things and bringing them together in a way that they wanted to worship. So here's how I want to worship. So I'm going to take a little bit of this Jewish culture and bring this in. I'm going to take a little bit of this from the Gentile culture and maybe a little bit this from temple worship and I'll bring them all together and have this beautiful way of evolving my worship and who I am sound kind of familiar to you and some, something like what our community likes and we shouldn't be against that church in Ephesus was but look at the wording very carefully you hate the Nicolaitans no 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 you hate the practices. We don't need to be hating people. We can have a strong feeling, negative feeling towards actions. But the world needs Christians who, who will stand by and stand for God's truth and do it in love. Do it in a way that points people to right living and the right path. Then he concludes this letter by saying, Whoever has ears... Let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. If we listen, if we live, we have a right to be in, in the garden with, with God, eternally in his presence, victorious living. But as we reflect on the letter, I think the question for us is, have we lost our first love? Have we allowed other things to distract us from the greatest command of loving God and others? Are we so hard at work, so determined to persevere, so much resisting sin in this world that, and, and testing that we forget to love and to live like God would have us live in this world? Do you remember your first love? When many of us think, of those early re relationships and falling in love for the first time, we think of our middle school or maybe our high school years. Some here are living those years right now. And to you, I pray that God will help you learn to love and be in relationship with one another. That's what those early relationships is all about. To learn to have a giving and selfless love that will bless you and 
and the one you're going to marry someday. But as for me, I remember those days, and I don't really want to go back to them, to tell you the truth. They were kind of tough days. It was kind of hard. Do you remember your first love? For most of us, for many of us, that's a memory of a lost love. Not all of us are like Dave and Lily Miller that have known each other and been together since the third grade. First grade, I'm sorry, see, there you have it. So, uh, but my memory of my first love is a memory of a lost love. The boy bands when I was in middle school of the day were the Osmonds and the, Osmonds and the Jackson Five. That was way back in the day before Donnie and Michael's voices had even changed. Did they ever change? But anyway, back when they were young, they were little guys. And some of you remember one of Donnie Osmond's most popular songs in those days. It was, yeah, only people my age remember this one. It's called Puppy Love, where Donnie, who is little at the time, is singing of this love that he has for another. And they call it Puppy Love, and I guess they'll never know how a young heart really feels and why I love her so. So help me, help me please, is the answer up above. How can I, oh, how can I tell them this is not a puppy love? Yeah, I might have sat on my beanbag in my room after Donna dumped me for the second time and with my eight-track tape listening to Donnie sing puppy love. I remember those first loves. And for many of us, it's been a long time ago. But I hope we haven't forgotten what love is like. It's my goal to love my wife not like my first love. With a puppy love? Absolutely not. And our goal as Christians is to have the characteristics of a childlike faith, but not to have a childish faith. Our goal of remembering our first love is not to be childish, but to remember the characteristics of that love. Whether it was yesterday or whether it was when you were 12 years old like me, and you came out of the waters of baptism, and you felt the cleanliness and the whole. Remember. And the commitment you had to live, to live right and do right. Remember. And the love you felt for those who were around you and gathered with you, remember. And for those you couldn't wait to tell, remember that feeling. What does the first love refer to? I'm pretty confident it's something like this. Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So as you travel home tonight, try something like this. Don't think, don't necessarily spend time reflecting on all the things you didn't do for God this last week and should have done, or all the things you should do this next week. Instead, give yourself a break. And think of God. And just think of your love for Him. 
and drive or spend a moment in reflection expressing your love to God. <laughs> Just, I remember, God, I love you. I love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. I remember what you did, and I love you. And help me to love other people like you love me. And just reflect on his love. I'll give you a little side note. Do not do that. Do not express your love for him for the purpose of doing anything different necessarily. God, I'm only saying this because I'm hoping by saying this you're going to do this in my life. No, no, no. But if you can express your love with all sincerity and purity like that, it will change you. It will change your behavior. For many years, I have really struggled with the concept of how can I live the life God wants me to live? How can I love him and others like he wants me to love him? The things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I do, and the things that I do want to do, I don't do, and this battle continues on within me. And many, many years ago, I, I just started praying a prayer, and I bet you almost every day at some point I pray a thought like this. Maybe it would be a blessing to you. But I, I simply pray to God and ask God, God, help me to love you more every day. To love you more today than I did yesterday and to love you more tomorrow than I do today. God, help me to love you so much that I would never want to say or do anything that made you sad or brought a tear to your eye. But to love doing the things that bring a smile to your face. That prayer helps me more deal with sin more than anything else has. More than every determination that I'm never going to do that again. More than any sorrow, God, look at me, what a worm I am. And instead to focus on love. God, help me to love you more every day. To love you so much I would never want to say or do anything that brought a tear to your eye. But rather a smile to your face. May this letter to the Ephesians serve as a reminder for us to make love a priority. These other things matter. Truth matters. But love must be carried always. Remember your first love. So I think it's very appropriate to end with Paul's words to the Ephesian church that I think is a powerful statement to them and to us. It's found in Ephesians 6, verses 23 through 24. It's my prayer for you. I think it's Paul's prayer for us, as it was for them. Peace to the brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an, say it with me, undying That's what I want to have. We're fixing to sing a song. It's a song of invitation. If you need to respond publicly in any way, we'd invite you to come. If this is your day to put on Christ in baptism, we celebrate with you. What a, what a joyous time. It's a time of returning. Just like that church, there comes times in our lives we need to repent and remember and be restored. That's our call for you. If you need to respond publicly, we invite you to do so as we stand together and sing. I was sinking deep in sin.